This is the Conduit Church Podcast. It is our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us. Thanks for joining us for this week's teaching. How many of you guys are piling up on your front porches right now with, uh, with packages? Is this happening to anybody else's home? The buy now button, like you Ramsey people, what you need to do right now is create something that prohibits my wife from hitting the buy now button. I mean, I'm walking out every morning going, I don't even know when they're delivering these things. Like if you guys woke up, I'm at six in the morning, I have five packages on the porch. Like when were they there creating these packages? But the thing that Amazon has done somehow is figured out, A, how to uh, uh, trick my wife into the buy now button. And second of all, now they got to figure out once they get people like uh, my wife and probably most of you in this room buying everything, how do we get it from the warehouses to your front door? That is the, they've literally been trying to figure this out for years now. And what they're doing, what's happening, I don't know if anybody's been to Bemidji, Minnesota, big fans of Bemidji, three of you. This is one uh, post office. Now, I live in uh, College Grove, and if you've been around College Grove, uh, it looks better on paper. Uh, if, if, it's, like an, it's more of an idea than a town. You know what I mean? Like, well, nobody really knows where it starts or stops. There's this like, one street where there's like, a post office and a couple of things, and then that's kind of it. But our, you know, our postal people, are they're busting their rear ends just trying to get stuff to my wife every morning. Not about the rest of y'all, but that's just happening at our house. Anybody, by the way, I probably should ask this ahead of time. How many of you guys work in the delivery uh, business right now? Is anybody in here? You probably don't because you're out there in a van somewhere right now. <laughs> you're probably at my house right now dropping stuff off <laughs> that I'm going to come home to. And I will say this. The one best part about the Amazon is that uh, does, your, does your family... And look, I'm just saying wife. That sounds sexist and misogynist, whatever. Uh, so it's your husband. I don't know. But does any of your spouses make you go on shopping after they've purchased things and now you've got to go return them? Is that any? So your wife or spouse purchased them, but now I'm the guy that's got to go marching back in to return it, right? Like, so uh, I will say the one benefit of the Amazon is that I can at least mail it back. I don't have to go traipsing back into TJ Maxx and stand in that line full of savages trying to exchange these things that seem like a good thing in the moment to purchase. And I'm not talking after you give them, exchange them. I'm talking she has buyer's remorse, Christmas remorse, and then takes them back because she doesn't want to give them because she doesn't like it. So anyway, that, th- what I'm getting at is that the, uh, the problem that the world is experiencing right now with Amazon in general, but companies at large, is getting their product from the giant massive warehouse to your front door. They call it the last mile. Like this is the problem they're trying to solve through technology and through manpower is to get the gift from all the way over here to this last mile. And it is crushing local post offices around the country. They're literally in their own vans and trailers and trying to figure out how to deliver it. And it's causing, if you haven't backed up mail, because right now they wake up in the morning, they got boxes everywhere. They're just trying to get them where they're supposed to go. So what's happened now is that Amazon trying to solve this problem has eclipsed for the first time FedEx, UPS, and USPS as one of the largest deliverers of packaged goods in the world. Like 
overnight. Like that happened. So now that's why you see all these vans and all these, uh, and I might say vans, every version of vehicle now. And the reason is it's every version of vehicle, including rentals. And I, I might misunderstand this model. So feel free to send that email to mo at conduitchurch.com. But as I understand the model, it's that uh, DT here can decide I want to be an Amazon delivery person. I probably got to jump through a couple hoops and I just load up my truck and now I'm an Amazon delivery guy. And that is literally how they are solving this problem of the last mile of getting your gift that you've ordered for little Jimmy or Johnny or little Benjamin, I might add, to get it to Benjamin's front door. Now, here's what this matters, why this matters and why I'm sharing it with you the week leading up to Christmas. You have been entrusted with a gift inside of you. I have been entrusted with a gift inside of me. We are God's last mile plan, period. He could, you've heard me say it, make it rain turtles right now. He could deliver the gifts that he wants to deliver any way he wants, but he's chosen you and he's chosen me to carry that gift across the last mile. And the reason is because when you deliver the gift, when I deliver the gift, we're gonna go over what they are and all that, but I wanna set it up and say that when you deliver it, it's not you that gets the glory, it's God that gets the glory. When, you, when Christmas morning happens, and at Buford and Jane's house, the little packages are flying open, and they get something from grandpa and grandma, they're not glorifying the Amazon driver that dropped it off, they're glorifying the giver of the gift, not the deliverer of the gift. Does this make sense? God has called you and called me to be the delivery mechanism for a set of gifts that he wants to deliver. And you, look, maybe you've you've high-fived some delivery guys. I know I have. You've probably even tipped a couple of them. Ooh, thank you. You got that one in right under the buzzer. And a couple of them, you're just like, hey, could you just take that? Shannon's not home. She's not going to know. Just make that disappear. But whatever it is, it's not the delivery driver that gets the credit ultimately, even though it's the delivery driver that feels like it's doing the work. It's the giver of the gift that gets the glory. And the reason that you and I are gifted is not just so we can sit around and be stoked, sit around and find purpose and meaning in our lives, but we are gifted so that the ultimate purpose and meaning in our life can be fulfilled, which is that we are called to bring glory to God. And when you deliver the gift that's in you to the people in your lives, to the people in your path, you're gonna cause an environment where they're gonna glorify God and that's man's highest praise. If you've got your Bibles, we're gonna be in Romans 12. We're gonna be in verses one through five, give or take, for the next couple of weeks. I do wanna say this this morning. I wrote a book about this uh, pandemic years. I was sitting on a boat uh, in 2019 with a friend and he's like, don't waste your 50s, Darren. They're the most productive decade of your life. And, and suddenly the pandemic, whatever happened. And so here we are, I'm, I'm shut down for a little bit. And so I, I, this was my, I'm mad, mad at, the wor- uh, at the enemy. So we did two things. We doubled down on our mission and we doubled down on our impacts. We built schools, all that stuff. But then this was part of this book and that book is available right now. And if you guys are really, really well behaved and you sit real still, sit up real straight and tall, 
like Sunday school, uh, they're free this morning. Just take one for yourself. Take one for gifts for Christmas. I don't care. This is a message that I felt is important enough that's worth uh, everybody having. So take one with you this morning. They're going to be, it's while supplies last uh, in the front. So Romans 12, verses 1. Have you found Romans 12 yet? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Everybody knows this passage, right? If you've been around Jesus for any length of time, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and to prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Verse four, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Therefore, verse six, we have different gifts. Did that pop up? We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith. Verse seven, if it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. That's God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for your presence to be with us this morning. We are grateful for your goodness and your gifts that you've given to us today. Father, I pray that you'll be with our brothers and sisters at Graceland across the street, watching what Nathan is doing over there with his family and that ministry has just been so inspiring and so encouraging to see what you're doing in that world this morning. God, we lift up our brothers and sisters at Southview and Mark Rampula. They've got some exciting stuff on this, uh, on the in the future. And we're just excited to see that happen. And for our buddies at Christ Chapel down the road, they moved into their new building. Praise God for them. Thank you for getting them where they're supposed to be. We're grateful that we get to stand and worship in a community that is full of brothers and sisters who worship and uh, stand with the same Jesus who was crucified, buried, resurrected, that Jesus that we serve and love, which is you, Jesus. It's an honor. In your name we pray. Amen. So first, I don't want to forget this kind of important announcement. Last week, we had our brothers and sisters in here from An Habsor in southern Israel. And I asked you all to do one thing, which was listen to the Holy Spirit and give, if the Lord led you to give, to help these brothers and sisters who are now living one week later, still living in hotels, still not getting any financial uh, help, and still can't go home because the battle rages on coming out of Gaza, and you guys raised $150,000 that came in last Sunday, so thank you for that. That means... We're going to help a lot of families survive these next six months, and you made that happen. I, I'll tell you this. I came in. I told, uh, told Todd, like, look, I, I've been around a while. This is probably with this short a notice. Nobody knows. You know, hard time of year. Everybody just wrung out their checkbooks for giving. I was making all the excuses I can make. Right? Just set your expectations. And I thought, 
man, maybe we'll get to $40,000. I hope we can get to 40. That would be not embarrassing, right, to send him out the door with $40,000. But God had way better plans, $150,000. And that number will get a little bit bigger probably. But I just wanted to just celebrate that with you, that that money is going to be sent out this week. And within another few days, it's going to be in the hands of some brothers and sisters in uh, southern Israel right now for the next six months. So thank you guys for making that happen. You've blessed some of Jesus's brothers. So Romans 12, how many of you guys have ever heard of the spiritual gifts of Romans 12? Okay. Let me ask you this way, because I'm a, this is a little bit, because I've taught this before. How many of you ever heard me actually cover this topic before? Yeah, Mo's right. Like most, no, most have not. Huh, that's okay. So for those of you that have heard it before, be patient with me. Maybe we'll make it fresh. <laughs> for those of you that haven't, uh, I want you to know that everybody's sitting in this room. God has given each one of you a very specific gift that is for a very specific purpose. And he didn't give it to you, right? He gave it through you. And those seven... I, I kind of gave like a modern day uh, identity to them. That was just more for my own shallow brain to try to remember it more or to try to make it more uh, memorable for us. But those seven, prophecy, service, teaching, encouragement, peacemaking, administration, mercy, you've, if you've heard them before and if you've been around the Bible, you might even know that some translations have different names that they've translated them to. So that's why I tried to go back to the original language and say, when he talks about prophecy, that that gift is, is really about seeing what's possible. It's not about predicting the future. There's a 1 Corinthians 12 prophecy. There's an Ephesians 4 version, but that's not this one. That's different. So I want to point out that these seven are their own set of gifts for their own specific purpose. And that God, the world I grew up in, I was very attracted to the 1 Corinthians 12 ones which by the way, still very attractive to those. Like this morning, Mark and Victoria Bowling in Asia, right, standing in front of thousands and thousands of Muslims who don't know Jesus and saying that Jesus is Lord and Allah is not. And then somebody gets out of a wheelchair or the blind guy in the village suddenly sees. It's amazing how suddenly people are like, you know what, I need to check out this Jesus guy. Like, Allah didn't do that, Jesus did. So I'm a very much a 1 Corinthians 12 guy, right? I'm very much an Ephesians 4, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher guy from Ephesians, right? But you can get really excited, at least I did about those, and kind of just bounce right on by Romans 12 without the realization that Romans 12 might be the most supernatural of all the gifts that God has given us. And when you look at that, what I would hope in these next couple of weeks is you walk away knowing, hey, this is the gift that, I, that God has put inside of me. And that you have some freedom to literally deliver that gift to the people in front of you and the world around you. Because these gifts of Romans 12, man, the, uh, he says, I'm giving them to you. I think it's verse four, five. But it's not just to you, it's in you. And once it's in you, it's not just in you, it's through you. That's the flow of the gift, right? He gives it to you, but then he puts it in you, and then he hopes and del- you know, you'll actually let it be delivered through you. Now, if you want to take this home and study it later, take a picture. Um, I did cover it in the book, but this is a fun study on its own. You can look and see that there are these different gifts in the New Testament. Has anybody taken a spiritual gifts test, by the way, at your church, this church? Do you remember, does anybody remember when you get to the one where it's like, there's like 29 gifts, and now you're, you're one of them, right? Did anybody else go, is it just me? 
Okay, some of you, okay. I want you to know that that's not a, necessarily a bad thing. I just think it's an inadequate thing. I think that the people that have put those tests together didn't quite understand what God was doing with these gifts. And so when you conflate them all together, like if you came out with the gift of evangelist, for instance, that's from Ephesians 4, right? That is probably true about you. But there's also these gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, and there's these gifts in Romans 12. And I would like to present to you this idea this morning that they are three separate lists, three separate groups of gifts, each matched with a member of the Trinity, I might add. We'll get to that next week in 1 Corinthians 12, that one is with the Father, one is with the Son, and one is with the Holy Spirit. And my point is, is that I stand here this morning as a guy that has a gift of teaching from Romans 12, right? I have a calling from... Ephesians 4 to be, and I'm going to say a word, and it's going to cause some of your butt cheeks to, to clinch up, so just, but hold with me. The, the gift from Ephesians 4 I have is what's called apostle, but apostle just simply means missionary. It just means sent one. So you get wound up on what apostle this or apostle that, you know, it, gets, it doesn't pay any better, whatever. It's just, in fact, when I, when I talk to people in Africa and they're like, oh, I want to be an apostle, I'll read Paul's resume. I've been snake bit, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beaten, I've been flogged, I, you know. So which one of those do you want to start with? Because that's, it's not a glamour gig at all. Like it might look like that on some uh, television, but it's not uh, in, in real life. But that... I have this thing where I'm just called to be an apostle. That's why when I go, you know, whether it's Africa, Asia, Israel, wherever, God is calling, it's to literally to go to, to be a missionary. But I have a gift from First Romans 12 called teaching that we're going to get to. And then there are moments when I am in places where God needs to prove who he is, where God's word is going forward. And the gifts of 1 Corinthians 12 come in handy right there. They are signs that God is still here. There are signs that God is still moving. I've got stories that I can't possibly explain. Of a conversation, for instance, I had with a voodoo priest in Haiti. I don't speak Creole. He does not speak English, but we perfectly understood each other. So you tell me what that means, right? Is there a 1 Corinthians 12 thing happening there? I just, I saw it happen. I saw the demon come out. I've seen, so my point is this 1 Corinthians 12 is important. It's in the middle of that. But those are gifts that we have access to in a moment of declaring God's goodness or God's power. They're not just a tool belt. Like I've got just one of those for 1 Corinthians 12. We have access to all of those for 1 Corinthians 12. But Romans 12, you have one and I have one. Everybody in here does. And at the end of it, we all have together seven of them, which is what the kingdom of God was meant to be. It's meant to be that if I've got seven... Uh, in this room, for instance, seven of you represented, then we have a perfect expression of who Jesus is on the earth. I'm one-seventh of any of that. The other six are the other pictures of who Jesus is. Now, if you want something to do for the next 15 minutes, this will actually take three. Uh, I'm, I'm, I am curious to see in our church family how it breaks down. Uh, this test, you can Google it, go there later, or honestly, do it right now. I don't care. Uh, it, it's a really quick test uh, that we've been running. I would love to see uh, in our church how these gifts are broken down in percentages-wise. I have a little bit of a prediction because I've had 12,000 people take this test so far, and it's haunting how consistent uh, the percentages of gifts are. I'm not going to tell you what they are, but I want you to take the test so that in a couple weeks I can tell you how our church is broken down uh, as far as these gifts go. So back to this again. Visionary. 
collaborator, discerner, encourager, imparter, guardian, responder are just me taking words from the Greek language that were in the definition that seemed to describe the idea. So think of that as Eugene Peterson, right? Uh, Not Wayne Grudem. This is like not a translation. This is an interpretation of it. So I want you to hear me say that right away. That is mostly for me to be able to explain them better to you. Do you like that, Dave? (laughs) So to you, that's where we're starting. This gift is to you. Romans 12, five through seven. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy according to your faith. If it is ministry, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I'm going to do my best to get through all seven of these at rapid fire pace. Okay. I'm very aware of the clock. And if I'm not, those guys will be waving me from the parking lot. So just I gotcha. I just, I know when I hear seven points, that makes me nervous. That's all I'm saying. So I just want to acknowledge that. But I want to tell you, I just want to blow through these. And what I would like you to ask yourself is, is one of them comes across, does it really represent who, how you feel like God is experiencing or you're experiencing God in your life or how others experience you in that? So the visionary is the gift of prophecy. It's actually a different word from 1 Corinthians 12, a different word from Ephesians 4, and a whole different purpose of Ephesians 4 as far as the gift of this. This specific one is the person who feels um, passionately, speaks confidently. You don't wonder what they're thinking because they just said it. Has anybody got one of those in your life? I didn't want to say that, Holly, but you know, others might say that. But here's the thing, the gift of visionary, that it's, I, I put the word visionary because it's in the language. It just simply means you can see what others can't see is possible, and it kind of ticks you off that they can't see it. Like you're apoplectic. How can you not possibly know that this is possible? The people that I know that have this specific gift, generally speaking, are going to be very successful at something. They're going to be very, you know, they're in a room full of people. They're not going to be at the perimeter of the room. They're going to be right in the middle of the room. This is a gift that says exactly what they're thinking, and they speak forcefully, they speak confidently. And in this room, I mean, I, I didn't want to call Holly out, but she's, I, we got that. Um, can I say, Michaela? Will that hurt your feelings? Okay. One of the reasons Michaela makes me laugh so much is that she has this gift. (laughs) And her ability to say exactly what she's thinking and exactly in that moment is exactly how God wired her. And it gets her in so much trouble. (laughs) And I would like to suggest to you that the reason it gets her in trouble is you don't understand her gift. There's all moments where we have to carve away and chip away, and I'll explain to that as the week goes on, that that there's moments where the enemy comes in and wounds us in specific ways that keep that gift hidden or keep that gift shame. There's so much shame around it because I've been shamed about it. And that gift in a female especially is one that gets shamed a lot because you got a female with that gift and you know our society, they'll push back real hard because they just, oh, she's just a mean person. But no, she's got the gift of prophecy. It's just this gift of just, I see what's possible and it's completely frustrating to me that you don't understand it. And it, you know, look, it makes for great moments, 
Because sometimes in the visionary gift, they get very confident about something and they turn out to be wrong. A couple years ago, Michaela has this great idea. We're going to put a fog machine in here. And Mo says, no, we can't do that because it will set off the fire alarms, the smoke alarms. And Michaela said, challenge accepted. <laughs> Not out loud, of course. <laughs> and by the way, created one of the best youth nights of ever because when all the fire trucks did show up because Michaela <laughs> was wrong, <laughs> the kids loved it, man. So she inadvertently created one of the most epic youth moments ever because she saw what was possible and, you know, learned a lesson on that day. But if we don't have that gift in a church world, in the world in general, there's a lot of stuff that won't get done because guys like me are busy second-guessing it. So we need the gift of somebody that sees what's possible and is willing to risk their life, risk their reputation, be wrong if sometimes because they see what's possible. So that's the gift of visionary. In the Bible, uh, the one that comes to mind the most with that is, is Peter. He's the most obvious one. He was the first one on the water, right? He just was the first because he saw what was possible. He got angry a lot and he got angry a lot because he saw what was possible and people around him didn't see. And you can literally read the Bible with a different lens and see that him with the gift of visionary makes so much sense. There's a reason why Jesus said to Peter, you're going first. You're going to be the one that's going to lead the charge on this because he knew after three years of being with that guy, he had 0% quit in him. The next one on this list uh, is funny because it's kind of like the opposite of this. It's called, I, I've called it the collaborator. I'm actually probably need to get a different name because it's not as cool as visionary. And, and here's what I've learned, by the way, when you're taking these tests, if you see a word that you kind of want to be instead of the one you are, uh, most likely the one you are is actually who you are. Uh, but you'll start answering questions to try to get to the answer that you think just so I can get to the one that I like. Because doesn't visionary sound so awesome, right? And collaborator, doesn't it sound like so meh? Um, so I do want to work on the language around it because the idea is not meh at all. The idea is, man, they're everybody's dream friend. Like, I'm not 100%, but this is how I experienced Bob and Carol, okay? Now, I've never met a combo collaborator being married to each other. Normally, people marry their exact opposites. I've never seen a couple that married that is literally a force of nature together like Bob and Carol Carlion. They get crap done, like it's, um, and quickly and with a high quality and not afraid to recruit people into it, not afraid to bulldoze right through the middle of it because they know it needs to get done. Uh, what I wrote out here, this was just, by the way, the stuff that I've written, I spent about 10 years just observing people, praying, going back to the scripture, looking at biblical examples, then watching my friends that I think had this gift and then saying, okay, this make, this is, so that when you read these personality traits, I didn't just come with them out of thin air. This is literally 10, maybe 15 years worth of, uh, Apple notes research that you didn't know I was researching you. Um, here, but I know this one well, cause I married this one. This is my wife, that she moves quickly through tasks. When she wakes up in a mode, it is literally every man for himself in my house. Like if she rolls out of bed and there's a clipboard anywhere near her, I'm gone. 
it's literally baked into her nature. That's it. And it's, uh, they're easy to spot in a church. They're actually really easy to spot in a church. Like if I were to spill a glass of water right here in front of everybody, the three or four people that would jump up immediately and start grabbing mops, uh, those are collaborators almost always because it's just who you are. You just jump into action. And it's not about the heart of like, uh, I'm going to have a heart to heart conversation with you in it. It's, I just want to get it done. I need to get it done. And that is so many people in our church family because it takes that many people. And I'll say this to those of you that have this gift and you feel like, I don't want this gift. It stinks. It's boring. In the book of Acts, there was a woman named Dorcas. By the way, $100 to the first person that names her baby Dorcas that I get to dedicate. <laughs> you in? Sold. It's, here's the thing. In Africa and Asia, like, it's a very revered name. Like They call their... Uh, Pastor Lawrence in Africa, his, name is Butter, his baby's name is Dorcas, because it's this, which is the point, I'm making a point, which is that this is the most exalted gift in the New Testament, because there's only one time that the people, when someone died, went and sent for the apostles and said, you got to raise them from the dead, because we can't live without her. It was Tabitha, Dorcas. She made clothes for the people. She served them, and it was like, when Peter died, nobody was calling for him to be resurrected. They're probably just grateful for the silence. Like, God, oh. <laughs> finally, shut up. <laughs> but you that have this gift in particular, when you're gone, you may not feel seen when you have delivered this gift. You may feel like nobody notices you. But I'll tell you this, that's actually wrong. They may not say anything, but they see it. But I'll say this and take it a step further, that even if I'm wrong and they didn't see you, the only eyes of the universe that did matter do see. He sees you. He has seen every sacrifice. He has seen every minute that you had that nobody else saw. He sees it. And if it's a gift really that is not for you, right, but through you, it takes a lot of the edge off of being unappreciated. But the reason I bring up our good friend Dorcas is that, you know, when they missed her is when she was gone. And that's how I know that that gift mattered. That's how I know that gift matters more than any other. Because when she was not able to deliver it anymore, they called and had her raised from the dead. Can you imagine how mad she was? <laughs> Make your own darn shirts. Are you kidding me? He brought me back so I could sew more pants? Like, let me go, people. But that gift mattered so much. There's so much that happened in this room today that you never saw, but if it didn't happen, you would have noticed it. Brandy, I don't know if this is your gift or not, but it sure feels like it. If you walked in this morning and you felt like the Christmas, the vibe, the, you just felt something, but you didn't articulate it, that's the gift of, of, of Brandy Wagner that went in here and made this place a Christmas wonderland when nobody was here. She didn't ask for a thank you card. She did it when no one was here to see her do it. But the fact is, is you walked in and you knew she did it even though you didn't know it was her that did it. That is the gift of the collaborator. It's this gift of, of mercy in your life, of this comfort. Of just, it's the gift of being seen. I don't know how else to explain it. And it's a gift that you know that's gone when it's not there. 
collaborator, straight up. They're going to move quickly through tasks. They're accomplishing more before 10 a.m. than most can in an entire day. Remember that commercial by the Marines? Marines accomplish more before 10 in the morning than most can accomplish in an entire day. <laughs> and I say, go ahead. <laughs> I'll see you at, <laughs> see you at 10. <laughs> no, just kidding. That was, <laughs> that was the musician in me. <laughs> I'm not going to spend much on this time because I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler alert out of the, I think it's almost 12,000 people that have taken this test. This is 1%, which means there might be one, I'm one of them in this room, so I might be the only one, so I'm not going to waste your time. But know that discerner, uh, it's not because it's so special, it's just not needed that much. For a while, I was like, man, I am so special. 1%. And then I realized it's like an Ikea thing, like where you're trying to put your thing together and there's only one little screw for this one thing. It's not because it was so important. It just wasn't needed. You just need that one little, it's not needed that much, right? So if it's not there, you might miss it, but it's not like there's just that much of it. What we need are peacemakers. We need people with mercy. We need people, guardians. We're going to get to those. And what I've got right now is like almost 60% of the people that have taken tests come up for those combinations. So discerner is very simple. It's called the gift of teaching. It just simply means I'm too darn curious. It means I just can't let it go. It means that when I saw 15, 20 years ago, wait, there's prophecy in 1 Corinthians 12, there's prophecy in Ephesians 4, and there's prophecy in Romans 12, but there's only mercy in Romans 12 and not in 1 Corinthians. I mean, I literally went down this rabbit hole and I couldn't let it go for 15 years. Like I just, that, it's not that I'm that smart, it's just that I'm that curious. And if you think that's a great gift and a lot of fun, I would encourage you to ask my wife. Um, the encourager, <laughs> the amount of things that I come home to tell my wife that I am so fascinated by that she completely is uninterested in uh, is about 99%. Like I, occasionally I'll find one that she thinks is really fascinating, but mostly it's like her eyes are rolling back in her head. The encourager is this gift of joy. And it just simply means you are so encouraging by the way you live your life. You are so encouraging just by the way you walk in a room that it pours courage into other people. In my experience, in my last 15 years, I've actually seen a lot of bleed over between encourager and visionary. And sometimes it's hard to know the difference between the two because they both have very similar high capacity ways to do things. Like I I would say that Mark Bourgeois falls under this category. Like I look at his life and I think visionary, but the way that I experience him on a day-to-day -day is when Mark walks into a room, you just feel courage. When, my, when he stands up here this morning, Mark's talking about like your family and this, there's just this courage. It's not a go team, rah, rah, rah. It's a, you just, courage comes out of them and into you. I, I experienced Buford this way. Uh, if you've never been at a party with Buford, I feel sorry for you. I don't know of anybody that goes dancing on Broadway more than Buford and Jane. And uh, Buford, how, how old are you? I know Jane's way, way younger. How old is that? <laughs> We're going to say 75-ish. 77-ish. If you're looking for Buford on a Friday night, right, you're going to go looking for him going dancing down at the community center in Bethesda, or they're going to be on, you know, hitting uh, the, the line dancing downtown, or they're going to be at uh, Nephew Jelly Rolls at the, uh, at the Opry. Like, Buford's joy, you think I'm kidding, by the way, that's actually a true story. Uh, the, the joy that Buford exudes every day of his life, he just wakes up like that. 
and you walk away from a time with Buford, you walk away from a time with Mark Bourgeois, you feel better about yourself. You feel like I could run through a wall with Buford. It would be on our Polaris, but we would drive right through that wall with it because that's the gift. And that gift is so necessary in the body of Christ. It's so necessary in your family. And by the way, Bob, I, for a while, and I'm still not, I, I, sometimes I think that's you. Because by the way, when we went to Israel, Bob and Carol, you talk about energy levels. We're done eight or nine, 10 o'clock, whatever dinner. Where's Bob and Carol? Oh, they're down swimming laps. 10 o'clock at night. Oh, they're dancing. They're like, <laughs> I'm 50 years old going, I hope I have that much energy at 51, let alone right in my 60s. But that, that's why I thought for a while, maybe that's Bob because he's so full of joy. But uh, I know this, this gift, I've experienced it multiple times from our staff, from our church family. This is a gift that is so necessary, especially at a time Listen to me, especially at a time when there's a loss of hope in the world, what we need is a rise of gift, of encouragement to those around us. The next one is, it's called the gift of giving in the book of Romans. Um, it, means, uh, it, it means kind of money, but it doesn't mean money. The other times you see it used in the New Testament, First Thessalonians, he speaks of like, I, I desire to impart a piece of myself into you. That's the same word, the Greek language for giving is that word. It's, a, it's not just about money. In fact, I used to think, and for a few years taught, that it was money, because when you think about the spiritual gifts, of course, every one of these gifts is needed for the kingdom of God. So... On paper, it made sense to me that that meant money, that it meant giving money because whatever God wants to do, whether it's setting slaves free or, or rescuing families in Israel, there's gonna need to be finances for that. But I've got now 14 years of anecdotal evidence to show that some of the largest financial gifts we've gotten to help when it comes to uh, drilling wells or helping people in Israel are actually coming from visionaries or encouragers or imparters across the board. There is no correlation to giving where it is a gift. Every We are all called to be givers financially. That's just part of the kingdom of God. We're all called to be generous. So it's not that. If it is that, it's just certainly not less than that. It's more in that it speaks of peace. The people that I know that have this gift bring peace into situations where there's conflict. And you can see a few times, I actually put it in the book, I was fascinated by how when there was conflict, Paul would send somebody to go and help them. And if you look at their lives and their spirit, it literally that's their spiritual gift. He was sending peacemakers in the middle of conflict between visionaries because somebody had to sit them down in the room and say, okay, I see your side and I see your side and here's how we're gonna be together with it to do our side together. So in parters, people that I know in this world that are one of my longest standing friends in this church family is Jim Henderson. And that guy brings peace into situations. He can read a room. It's what made him a great youth pastor when he became that for us years ago and a kid's pastor before that because he can sense and see when someone is on the fringe. He can sense and see when someone is hurt or sad and feel it himself, but walk into the middle of that situation and bring peace. And if you've been around teenagers for any length of time, let me tell you what you got to be able to do, bring peace to conflict. So it's no accident that when God was going to replace Jim into a new season, he brings another imparter to lead our student ministry, Joel. 
because Joel has that exact same gift to walk into conflict, to see there's this side and that side and to insert himself into that conflict and to pray with and love and bring peace into that situation. That's what an imparter is. And it's one of the gifts that in my experience is the hardest to identify because of this simple thing. If you have this gift, you've been so busy worrying about other people's preferences your whole life, you don't know your own. So if you get into this, you start reading and you get stuck on it, go back to imparter. It might be why, because you've just been so used to pouring out of yourself that you never get any into yourself. And that could be why, because you're an imparter, but you're so busy, you just don't know it. The guardian, man, the world needs a bunch of those. (laughs) I need those all around me because I have all kinds of great ideas and someone has to ask the very important question, how are we going to pay for that? And what do you think is the best or worst part of Mo's job? (laughs) Is to guard. We need, in a church world especially, a guardian so the ones that keep the details together. When you talk about spreadsheets in Excel with Mo, his scalp gets tingly. You bring that up to me, and I'm literally like, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm jittery. I can't sit still anymore. I'm just, I just want to the bottom line. But that's Mo's idea. The reason we know how many people were here last year on this specific day so we can make plans for this specific day, the reason we know how next year on this specific day we'll know how many people are going to be here is because we have a guardian looking at the numbers. And that is a gift that is desperately needed in the body of Christ. The guardian loyal, dependable, responsible. I never wonder if I ask a guardian to get something done, if it's going to get it done, because it's going to get done. If it goes on the list, it's going to get checked off. I don't have a list. I like store my list on Mo. Do you know what I mean? It's like a USB drive, it's Bluetooth, where I, people will ask a question, I don't know, Mo, can you tell us? And he knows, and it's not that I couldn't know, I just don't want to, because Mo will know, because that's what a guardian does. They just know. Last one on this is what's called the gift of mercy. I called it the responder, because everyone that I know that has this gift, man, you run to, you run to, to tragedy. You'll run in it, you'll stay through it, and that is a gift that I do not have. I can. It's one of the reasons why we're so blessed to have Kyle on this board. I, I hate to say, oh, this is someone's gift or that's someone's gift, but that's how I experience and have experienced Kyle for decades. Like that he is a guy that runs to a problem and he doesn't just drop off a quick flower and you know, pat you and then and run away. He will stay with you in the fire. It's a gift of mercy. In a world that is built on judgment and tearing each other apart, the gift of mercy is as neat as it's ever been. And Kyle has had that multiple times where he'll speak up in, a, in an elder meeting or staff and say, we need to think about this person or this specific thing because he senses what's happening in someone's heart and his gift of mercy will rise up to do it. And the difference, say, between a responder and a collaborator is very simple. Uh, they, they, they tend to look the same, but if you watch a collaborator coming in in a tragedy, they're just moving, 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 moving. They don't literally, it's Mary and Martha, if that makes sense. But the responder 
isn't there to get stuff done. The responder is there to get to the heart of the matter. Now, if that means washing dishes while they're getting to the heart of the matter, but I, my experience is they'll start washing dishes. The next thing you know, you're sitting down having hot tea and you're, you're pouring your heart out because someone with the gift of mercy is there allowing you to, to feel and experience that together. It's a pastoral gift that is desperately needed in our church. We're going to pick up here next week. Can I ask you to do homework? Just go take the test. It's mylifegift.com. It's in the book. It's free. I would love to next week know what we're dealing with because what I want to go through next week is, look, you're about to be sitting around the table with a whole bunch of your family. And like Mark said, there's a, there's a whole theological side. There's a whole piece of empathy that we could pour into this. And part of that empathy is to recognize that your kid might be speaking in a way that you wouldn't speak with confidence or with sheepishness. And it's more about their spiritual gift than it is about them disrespecting you. This will give you and me so much empathy and compassion for our family members and for our fellow church family. Stand to your feet. I'm going to get you out of here for Christmas. What is it? Is it December 10th? What is the date? 10th? Yeah. Two weeks to Christmas. Heavenly Father, thank you. We're so grateful for these gifts. I pray that you will show us this week what that gift is in each of us, that we might know how to distribute it, and that ultimately, Lord, uh, we get to deliver whatever we wrap and put under the tree. The biggest thing we get to wrap and put under the tree is your gift inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.